2: I believe there are two theories, the theory of evolution, the theory of creation, and there are those, and I've seen all the arguments where they try to marry them together, but they stand in direct contrast to one another because one says that you're here by accident and the other says, no, you were made for a purpose. But the real difference between the two is that one teaches that because you're evolved, and there is no God, you can live however you want to live. Whatever pleases you, that's the way you live. But the other says, no, we were created by God and we were placed here to give honor and to give glory to our Creator, the Lord God.
1: Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, if he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford. And we join him right now with today's message.
2: I want to do a little review before I start preaching today. Every year here at Shepherd, we have a theme. Every year. And it's always different. This year, our theme is the word anchored. And uh, it's for the entire 52 weeks. And it came from my belief and conviction that we as a nation no longer revere or hold sacred this book. And because of that, we've lost our moral compass as a nation. It is my belief that our political system desires to keep poor people poor. And when I say keeping poor people poor, I'm not just talking about financially, I'm talking about spiritually poor, morally poor. Removing God from seemingly everything. As the pastor of this church, as I've looked at the theme for this year, God has impressed upon my heart that what we've got to do as a church is we've got to get back to adoring this book, to anchoring ourselves to the Word of God and understanding that these are the sacred words of God. And, and I, as I've studied and I've read through, uh, this book, being anchored to this book is where blessing comes from being anchored to this book is where revival comes from being anchored to this book is where ultimate victory comes from and so i pray that you will join us for the rest of this year as we continue to to anchor ourselves to the word of god then we preached a series at the start of the year it started in the end of january went through all of february and part of march We did an eight-week series on eight things that will happen to you if you anchor yourselves to the Word of God. If you missed any of those eight messages, you need to get a copy and catch up with us on those eight messages. And today, we embark on a new 35-week series called The Story. You know, the Bible has 66 different books in it, but it's all one story. We want you to see it as one story. So we're going to preach through the Bible the next 35 weeks in a chronological order, starting with Genesis. We're going to go through the whole Bible. And you're here on on week number one. In each segment, we're going to give you just four. Four of the most important things you need to know about that particular uh, time period. And we've also asked you to pick up this book called The Story, that goes along with the sermons we want you to read this before you hear the sermon you say well am I supposed to journal or do you want me to read this book I want you to do both (laughs) this is every single day you spend every single day in the word this is once a week before you come to church you read about 10 pages that will explain to you the time period that we're going to be discussing and we begin with this very first message And this sermon is called, It's All Good in the Beginning. I want you to turn to whoever you're sitting next to and just tell them, It is all good in the beginning. (laughs) It was all good. Now, there's an old, 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 old riddle. You guys like riddles? There's an old riddle. I'll put the question on the screen. It's where is baseball found in the Bible? Where is it mentioned in the Bible for the very first time? And the answer to that is Genesis 1, 1, where it says, in the big inning. (laughs) Now, something I've always wanted to tell you, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the very first page. You should be able to find that. Okay, what's the first word in the Bible? Oh, that was good. The second word. Very good. Now, I want you to tell me what is the third word in the Bible. Very good. I want all of you to tell me the fourth word. What's the fourth word in the Bible? Let's try that again. First word. Those first four words. If you can believe those first four words then you can believe anything else the Bible has to say. Jonah being three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, no problem. Peter walking on water, no problem. Jesus healing a leper, no problem. Jesus resurrecting from the dead, no problem. But you have to get past these first four words. Do it one more time. So we begin this sermon series, 35 weeks. The curtains are pulled back, and the spotlight is on God. This whole book, the whole story, is a story, it's God's story. And you've got to be able to believe in those first four words. Genesis 1-1, it reads, in the beginning, God, the fifth word is, He created the heavens and the earth and so as we tell you the four major events in each of these time segments here's the first thing you need to write down the first major event in the Bible is creation God created the heavens and the earth verse 2 tells us a little bit that the earth was formless and empty darkness uh, over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water and as you read, beginning in verse 3, all the way to the end of chapter 1, it's God creating, 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 and it's all good. And day number 1, I have a little chart there. He creates light. God said in verse 3, let there be light. There was light. And the Bible says in verse 4 that God saw that it was good. Day number 2, he creates the sky, and he creates the water. Day number three, there was no land until day number three. And then verse number nine, after looking at the land, God said it was good. Day number four, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. And all the way down there in verse 18, after God looked at the star, the sun, the moons, he said, he said, you know what, that's, that's good, that's good. That, I did it, that, that's good. Day number five, he creates all the birds uh, and the sea creatures. And he looks at that in verse 21 and says, it was good. Now, day number six, uh, it's a lot of stuff went on in day number six. Day number six, first of all, he creates the rest of the animals. And he says in verse 25, it was good. Now, we're still in day number six. I want you to look at verse 26 in your Bible. Genesis 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image in our likeness and so we have a little you know a revelation there of the trinity god the father god the son and god the holy spirit because he said let us make man in our image in our likeness and let then he says let them rule or have dominion over the fish of the sea which is why you all need to learn how to fish over the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth over all the creatures that move along the ground and then we come to verse 27 where God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And all the way down in verse 31, it doesn't say it was good. After God created man and woman, he said it is very good. I want you to write in the word very. Now, there are brilliant people who believe in evolution. There are brilliant people who believe in creation. I personally believe in creation because of what we just read, because I believe the first four words, first five words, in the beginning, God created. We just read it. I believe that God, if you read Genesis chapter one, God created life on this earth. He created man. He created woman. There was a little girl who came up to her mother and said, mother, how did did the human race begin? And the mother went into this story about, well, you know, God created everything, and he created a man named Adam. He created a woman named Eve, and, and uh, God allowed them to have children, and uh, that, that's how we all got here. And the little girl said, okay. Wasn't too long after that, she was with her dad. And she said, dad, uh, how, how did we all get here? And the dad said, well, honey, aren't you listening at school? We got here by evolution. You, you, uh... We all, we all got here, be, uh, we all evolved from monkeys. Don't you know anything? Well, the little girl was confused, as you can well imagine. So what does she do? She does the only thing she knows to do. She runs back to her mama, and she says, Mama, I'm confused. You said that God created us. He created us male and female. We were allowed to have babies. I, I went and asked Dad, and Dad said we came from monkeys. Which is it? And the mother said, Honey, 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 Daddy's talking about his side of the family. <laughs> I believe there are two theories, the theory of evolution, the theory of creation. And there are those, and I've seen all the arguments where they try to marry them together. But they stand in direct contrast to one another. Because one says that you're here by accident. And the other says, no, you were were made for a purpose. One, One says that God is not involved, that there is no God the other says no it there has to be a god but the real difference between the two is that one teaches that because you're evolved and there is no god you can live however you want to live whatever pleases you that's the way you live but the other says no we were created by god and we were placed here to give honor and to give glory to our creator the lord god So, the first major thing is creation, and it's all good. Then, number two, we have procreation. You can write recreation if you want, or procreate, but procreation. After he made everything and he put male and female here, you look at chapter 1, verse 28. God blessed them. Oh, I love that line. God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in what? Fill the what? In other words, have babies. God created us male and female for the purpose of being fruitful and multiplying, increasing in numbers and populating the earth. And as you go to chapter two, I want you to go over to chapter two. Chapter two explains in more detail. A lot of people are sometimes confused about chapter one, chapter two. They they both tell the story of creation. Chapter one's kind of an overview. Chapter 2 kind of gets into some of the detail of it. And we find in chapter 2 the explanation of when God created uh, uh, man and woman. Look at verse 21. It says at the end of verse 20, there was no suitable helper for Adam. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh it was the first operation the first surgery verse twenty two then the lord god he made a woman from that rib that he had taken out of that man and don't lose this last line it says and he brought her to the man can you imagine Adam, he fell asleep, he woke up, and the Bible says, here's God, and God's bringing in this, this woman to him. (laughs) Oh yeah, this is a good day. (laughs) This is a good day, because it's all good in the beginning, amen? And so, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, what does that mean? It means that he's already he's seen enough trees. He's seen enough trees to last him a lifetime. He has seen enough rocks to last him a lifetime. He's seen all the animals. He can relate. Okay, he's he's saying this is not a tree. This is not a rock. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And, and what does that remind you of? God bringing that woman in there? What does that remind you of? You know what it reminds me of? Is that a wedding? I stand up here with the guy. He's dumbfounded half the time. He's got all his best men. We've got all the bridesmaids over here. And what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the doors opened up. And who, who brings the bride down to the front? Who brings her down? Her father, the one who created her. Where do you think that came from? It came from right here. So God brings this woman walking in. Adam says, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of of my flesh, and she shall be called. And I've told you this before. I think Adam went, whoa, man. (laughs) Ladies, that's how you got your name. (laughs) For she was taken out of man. And here it is. You see, God defines what marriage is right here. Verse 24, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become what one flesh now i get this I, I i get a lot of crazy questions but some people ask why did god create adam first and eve second and the problem with answering that is this people who've read through this you got to understand there are female scholars and there are male scholars and sometimes they have different opinions All the female scholars who've studied this, they believe after reading the reason God made Adam first was that God created Adam and looked at him and said, I know I can do better, and then he created woman. That's right. That's right. And the male scholars will tell you, we know why God created the woman last, and they say the reason is because God didn't want her giving him advice throughout all the creation process. Now, I would never say that, but is what the Bible scholars say. But I want you to know that in the beginning, it's all good. The seas and the land and the birds and the fish and the plants and the animals and then God creates man and then God creates woman so they can have babies and populate the earth and God says, it is very good, it is very good in the beginning. And then we come to point three, which is temptation. Now, again, we're telling you the four most important things of each of these time periods. I want everyone to say, watch out. Here it comes. God creates. It's all not just good. It's very good. But man sins, and everything falls apart. Chapter 3 is the turning point for all of mankind. I want you to look at chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And what you're reading is you are seeing the introduction and the arrival of the evil one. And now the struggle begins between good and evil, between truth and lies, between God's word and Satan's word we have all felt that deception we've all felt temptation and we've all yielded everyone in this room the bible says that we have all sinned we've all seen him working in our lives and we've all felt that bitter taste of falling to that temptation and so what you see again is you have creation you have procreation and then you have temptation and so now everything is broken Because of the sin, and whenever sin enters, sin destroys. It destroys your home, your marriage, your family, your children, your church, your country, your world. So we have this dilemma that can only be solved by a heavenly solution. God creates, it's all good, man falls. And the story of the Bible, the story of these 35 weeks, is the story of how much God loves you. And is willing to redeem us and bring this brokenness back to wholeness. It's the story of love. It's the story of God. As we close, I want to just mention the fourth point. I I don't have time to go through this. But it's the word inundation. And if you do not know what the word inundation means, it's a fancy word for flood. It's not just a flood. It's the flood of all floods. What happened was that uh, after sin entered the world, things got so bad, by the time you come to Genesis 4, you have two people, Cain and Abel, and one brother kills the other brother. So you have murder by the time you get to the fourth chapter. By the time you get to the fifth chapter, things are so bad. Uh, The Bible says that, that the thoughts of man was evil all the time and God was grieved that he had even made us and so God called a man named Noah to build an ark and it rained for forty days and forty nights and God completely destroyed everything in this world except Noah and his family inside that ark the problem with the flood is that when Noah went on to the ark he was a sinner and when he got out of the ark he was still a sinner and so the problem of sin was not fully resolved yes yes the world got to start over again but the issue of sin and destruction was not fully answered go to Genesis 3 verse 15 we close with this verse God is actually talking to the serpent. He says, I will put enmity. Say the word enmity. It's the word for strife or struggle. Between you, the snake, and the woman, and the word woman there, he's talking about mankind. And he says that he, Jesus, will crush your what? Your head. Now, how do you kill a snake? The only way to kill a snake is you've got to cut the head of the snake off. And God is saying here, yes, you've destroyed everything. But there is coming a day where my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will crush your head and you will be destroyed. That day will come. Everything was good in the beginning. And then everything went wrong. But ultimately, at the end of the time, Jesus Christ will have ultimate victory over you.
3: We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, one thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there. And this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything.